Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. I am told that Danny G has put together a new uh, segment on the show. I haven't heard this at all. Danny G, do you want to take this and run away with it? Yeah. All right. This should be fun. So uh, this idea came to me a few months back when you said that if you were president, you'd do away with daylight savings time and uh, the different time zones. Yeah, I, yeah I, would, uh, I would do away with daylight savings time, and my argument is we need only two time zones in this country. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, you we should have. You, well, we could time. save. We'll save that for another day. But you yeah, did. But you, we should have the central time. See, everybody, see what I mean? East That's why we're doing Mississippi this. River. So you laid out that whole plan on and how the you west would be the mountain time. <laughs> exactly how you'd fix it, and because you obviously think it's ridiculous to have different uh, time zones where we all live. I mean, uh, I think it's ridiculous to have that many different time zones. Like right now, it is seven a.m. on the East Coast. It is 6 a.m. in the central time zone, 5 a.m. mountain, and 4 a.m. on the Pacific coast, right, as everybody okay. is waking up across the country. I think it would be better, like, and so I'm in my head when I book guests and everything else. I mean, is it three hours behind me? Is it two hours? In front? Like, everything else. It would it, be a it, lot it easier. It gets complicated. You need a calculator. It would be a lot easier <laughs> if we had a dividing line like the Mississippi River, <laughs> and everybody east of the Mississippi River was on central time and everybody west of the Mississippi River was on mountain time, and that way there was only one hour difference across the entirety of the United States. So you wouldn't, like New York and L.A. would be one hour different. So you wouldn't have this situation where if you're working in New York City and you've got to call somebody in L.A. who's on the West Coast, you don't have to be sitting there thinking, oh, crap, 
it's uh, it's 9 a.m. and my coach, there's no way they're awake yet. Or you end up in a situation where if you're in L.A., you're like, man, it's 4 o'clock. I really need to talk to somebody in, in the East Coast, and it's already 7 o'clock there. So you eliminate this, that situation. This is why this is a perfect segment for you, because if you were number 46, you would eradicate the old plan and we'd go with your new plan if the country was with you we're going to find out if the country's with you with a different topic though roberto hit the open some people love number 45 he is a sick puppy some people despise number 45 who me one thing is for sure number 46 is gonna have way better hair if i suddenly got elected president of the united states clay travis is not the kind of guy to brag or boast i think i am incredibly good at twitter we'll find out if clay really does have all the answers three minutes at the podium and then twitter decides i can barely read my mentions now and now here's your moderator danny g all right, ladies and gentlemen, would you like Clay Travis to be your next president? We're going to give him a, a an issue, a burning hot issue here, and then three minutes at the podium, and then afterwards, you can chime in on Twitter, hashtag number 46, at Clay Travis, at Danny G Radio, and then one simple emoji from you, a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and it could be any color, because you know how your phone asks for the different color racist. All right, so one simple emoji, thumbs up or thumbs down, after Clay finishes his three minutes, and you're going to vote based on Clay's answer here. Okay, Clay, today's issue at hand. Thanks to number 45 and LeBron James, and you talked about this last hour, obviously. They got into it on Twitter. How would you, as commander-in-chief, use Twitter? I would. It's a great question. All right, ready? I, I think three yes. minutes starts now. If I were the 46th president of the United States, I would use Twitter as a megaphone, not as a uh, as a device to uh, just kind of – let me take a step back. Donald Trump, I'll tell you what I wouldn't do. Donald Trump, I believe, if he were able to find the right person to advise him, could increase his overall approval rating by five or six points by just knocking out a third of the tweets that he sends. For instance, if you want to feud with LeBron James, do it in a subtle way, not in a ridiculous way. In other words, don't go out and take a shot at Don Lemon and LeBron James and say they're both dumb and then say, I like Mike at the end. Make your attack on LeBron James about the fact that you're a Michael Jordan guy from the get-go. In other words, how much better would that Donald Trump tweet have landed if he had just said, I've always been a Jordan guy, and then he had put up a picture of Jordan with six championship rings and put up LeBron James's 3-6 and six record in the NBA Finals. Then I think people would have thought it was pretty funny. They would have had Donald Trump weighing in on the Jordan versus LeBron debate. To me, Twitter is a fascinating way to talk to the American public. Much like Franklin Delano Roosevelt had the uh, radio, and much like JFK took advantage of television, Twitter is a new medium that you can attack with, but you have to use it in an intelligent fashion. You have to use it to make your ability to reach the public better as opposed to worse. For instance, Trump is doing a good job. Everybody that he endorsed basically on Twitter won their primaries or their elections last night. Michigan, uh, Kansas, all sorts of uh, Ohio, all over the country last night. Missouri, 
Everybody that Donald Trump wanted to win the Republican primaries did win the Republican primaries. That's the megaphone aspect. But you can't be using it solely to divide. And by the way, I think, let me pause here for a sec. I would suggest that in this segment, we need to have a clock so I know how much time I've got. Oh, it's coming. The the clock starts when there's 30 seconds left. Okay. All right. That helps. So um, I think that you can use, much like FDR did with the radio and much like uh, JFK did with the television, you have the ability to use Twitter as a uniting force to help to burnish whatever arguments you want to make to the American public. But you can't use it as often as Donald Trump does. You can't use it like a hammer all the time. I said yesterday, if you have a hammer, you tend to see everything as a nail. Subtlety is an art. So is humor. I would use it more for humor. I would use it more for subtlety. And I would still use the best elements that Donald Trump has been able to bring to bear with Twitter. But as your 46th president, you would be proud of me, not disgusted with me. I reserve the remainder of my time. <laughs> you didn't have any time left, but you you hit it right on the, the button there. Although... I think right off the bat, I need to deduct one point because you questioned whether or not there was going to be a timer at the end. Great minds think alike. Maybe I could be vice president. For people who don't know, um, we have only one hard out on this show. And a hard out is at the bottom of the hour, we have a clock. And they get in my ear and they talk to me as the clock ticks down. And so I try to be out like right at the last second. Um, And so I was wondering as I knew that, you know, kind of the internal clock in my head, I knew that I probably had like around 45 or 30 seconds left. I was just wondering if I was going to have a clock. But I do think that um, that this is an interesting question because there's been a lot of debate about how Trump went after yeah. uh, LeBron James. And Unfortunately, and, and I, your three minutes is up. You, you No, pro- no, no. I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> in general the idea of how you should use this new medium. Yeah. Because I don't think people know how to use social media. I, I don't think we have contemplated how much it could change the way that our brains work and uh, and we understand how much we're being gamified by Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and everybody else. They create these devices in your hands uh, to encourage you. They're almost uh, like uh, the same way when you play slot machines. The lights and everything else psychologically, the way they set up a casino is designed to keep you sitting at the slot machine, right? People don't realize this. You know the most lucrative thing that exists in the entire Vegas casino is a slot machine from a percentage of how much money they make. I mean, you can set at a slot machine your win rate. So you can be like, okay, it's like having your own bank. You know that they're putting money in and you know that you're going to make 54% of the money, right? Right? Whatever it is, you're going to win 54% of the time. And so, unlike, say, blackjack, where somebody could sit down at the table or roulette or uh, or any of the other craps where somebody could get super hot and take you for a couple of million dollars in a day, which I'm sure happens <laughs> at all the big casinos every day, you know exactly what you're going to win on the slot machines based on how much money is being gambled. Mr. Travis, so, you're going over I, right I, now. I think it's amazing. No, no, no. The, now, you got to understand that uh, <laughs> a big thought behind this was that I could keep your rants to three minutes. So, Outkick Army, what say you? Hashtag number 46 on Twitter, at Clay Travis, at Danny G Radio. Put hashtag number 46, and then one simple emoji, thumbs up or thumbs down, based on Clay's three minutes on the podium. So, negate anything he said after the three minutes. 
All right, so we'll see how Twitter weighs in, Clay, and if uh, the nation wants you to be their next leader. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that, uh, that it's likely that the nation is going to want me to be that. So how do you like, so in real time, then how do you yeah. assess this? Well, I, I think we're going to need to react to it as the hour goes and as the tweets come in. So I'm going to follow along on Twitter and just get an overwhelming sense of whether or not you nailed the topic. So we'll do this from time to time. And obviously some of the issues will be harder than others. Some will be fun. Some will be serious. But it'll give you a chance to have a platform to the nation to put your hat in the ring to be number 46. I will tell you this. I was reading yesterday – um, one of the listeners out there sent me a uh, article about um, the response in the media to Franklin Roosevelt's fireside chats on radio. And obviously FDR is a is a luminescent star in the American presidency pantheon and uh, is a, a huge reason why the country has existed exists as the way it does today, beating the Great Depression and then beating Hitler uh, in World War II. But many people were furious in the media with FDR for the way that he used the radio. And the reason why they were is because it took away the power of newspapers because all these newspaper editors had gotten so used to presidents understanding that they were the ones who got to manipulate public opinion that when Franklin Roosevelt started talking direct to the American uh, public, it was a big deal, you know, that he was sitting down doing his fireside chats, going direct to the American public without any filter. And a lot of people said, oh, this is beneath the presidency and then certainly with the advent of television. But I think the difference in those and the way that Donald Trump uses Twitter, and I think the LeBron James uh, tweet is emblematic of that, is when FDR did fireside chats or any president addressed the nation on television, They spent a ton of time, the advisors did, crafting the absolute perfect statement. And as a result, when they actually went out and uh, and you saw that that communication device on radio or on television, the message was well-crafted and it was not lost in sort of all the noise. I think Donald Trump's tweets are not often well-crafted and the message is getting lost for the noise. It's a new communication device, but I think you have to contemplate Twitter and the way that the president is using it within the context of radio, television, and now social media as kind of that next iteration. And um, the LeBron James tweet to me was actually emblematic of what I think the president does wrong sometimes where he could have returned fire if he wanted to do it. Now, you can argue it's not presidential. The president shouldn't be responding to random citizens who were attacking him. I would argue LeBron James is not a random citizen, and it's been going on for an, a, a year and a half. LeBron campaigned for Hillary Clinton. LeBron is one of the faces of the Democratic Party. And so if you allow a guy to continue to attack you, sooner or later it's going to grow into an issue in Donald Trump's mind. So he decides to fire off that tweet. But if instead he had done it more subtly and attacked LeBron James through Michael Jordan and also been a little bit funny about it, then I think it would have played much better. And that's where you could make the argument FDR and let's say JFK. JFK was a master of television. FDR was a master of radio. They were incredibly bright about the way that they chose to use this new technology to advance their aims as president 
who does Donald Trump have who is his crafting agent when it comes to how to use his Twitter account? Now, look, it's been very successful. And again, the impact, it's amazing to me, the impact of his Twitter account when it comes to him just hopping on there and saying, hey, I'm endorsing this candidate. And then that candidate winning, the megaphone value of his Twitter account is incredible. But what if you could dial out 40% of the fluff? Wouldn't that make the 60% more valuable? And even sort of razor's edge sharpen your message, regardless of whether you're a Democrat or Republican. Remember, FDR, Democrat, JFK, Democrat. Obviously, Donald Trump, somewhat of a Republican. Uh, I say somewhat because it's not like he's a uh, ideologue, I think, in any stretch of the imagination when it comes to his political angles and political beliefs. But it just seems to me like there is a opportunity to use that Twitter account more like a uh, more like a strategic weapon and less like just kind of like a, a blanket bombing all the time. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We got Jason Martin joining us now. J-Mart obviously was a producer for a long time on the show. Yesterday I saw him. We were out at the uh, Tennessee Titans training camp, and uh, he's got a new show, and obviously he was guest hosting last week. But then I see on Twitter that after the practice, you went to go get lunch at Chick-fil-A, and disaster befell you. What happened? I mean, I made the right call to go to Chick-fil-A, obviously. I did the right thing. I'm leaving training camp, Chick-fil-A at 1230. The only thing that's not right about it is how busy they are in every location everywhere in the world. But I just go through the drive-thru, and I send a text message to a program director at the studio I'm headed to, and I just say, hey, I'm grabbing a little bit of lunch. Do you want anything? And he tells me, yeah, okay. And then I think I take another text message, and I've got my head down, and I'm just kind of sitting there in park because no one's moving even though it's moving quickly, nobody's moving at that moment. And all of a sudden, I just like feel this like huge push forward, and then I hear a loud bang. And it took a couple of seconds for me to understand. But yes, indeed, I don't know how old the guy was. I would say probably 19, maybe 20 years old. The insurance card was his parents. It wasn't his. Uh, just drilled me from behind right there, <laughs> hit my bumper. I think I just said that a very long uh, yeah. way, but drilled me from behind right there uh, in a Chick Fil A would definitely be unexpected given their own political persuasion. But um, yes. so you are in the drive-through at Chick Fil A, just parked, minding your own business, and somebody just plows into you from behind. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems kind of crazy. I, it probably happens a lot, but it seems like drive-through etiquette's pretty basic. You just kind of sit there until the car in front of you starts to move, and then you then you realize that you're okay to move. But for whatever reason, this guy, and I didn't ask him his reasoning or whatever like that, I assume he probably was looking at his phone, if I had to bet on it, just probably took his foot off the brake or whatever and just kind of careened into me. But he was going fast enough that because this was like a pretty loud sound, and I wondered how bad the damage it was going to be at first. I could see through the rear view it nothing was on his car. Uh, like, there was no dent or anything like that on the front of his car. So I just kind of casually get out, go back, and I look at the bumper, and I see there's just kind of a crack across the bumper, almost like a hole that goes, I don't know, just kind of a line. 
and it didn't look like it was too much else other than that. I couldn't see anything. So we're there, and it's right there in the middle of their busy time. And this isn't one of the Chick-fil-A's that has the people out there with the tablet or whatever. So he gets out of the car, and I just kind of stare at it for a minute. I'm like, I don't know exactly what to do. And in my head, what's running through my head is I really don't want to miss my spot in line because this is Chick-fil-A. This is not, you know, some nonsense out in Los Angeles. And so he says, well, you know, I really don't want to hold up the line. Uh, what should we do? And I was just like, well, I guess we need to get out of line. And then I said, what, why don't we get our food first and then we'll settle up afterward. And he immediately like smiles. He's like, yep, sounds like a good idea. So we go through and I consider, and maybe I should have done this in a situation. I considered paying for his when I got to the front to say, yeah, let me get his also. So I know you he stayed in the really drive-thru? Yeah, we, we, we finished our drive-thru business before we went to our there was just a car accident business. So, like, how much damage do you think has actually been done to your car? I'm really not sure because I, I just, I don't know. It's not anything I've ever had happen. Probably, I don't know, probably 300 bucks or something. I mean, it's nothing major. And so, afterwards, whatever, I, you know, I parked, he parked after we got our food and I just kind of, I called my insurance company and just said, hey, what's the easiest way to handle this where it's not going to hurt him or anything like that. And they gave me a suggestion and that's what I ended up doing, taking a couple of photographs of uh, his documents and then basically offering him a chance. Hey, look, I don't know exactly how much this is going to cost, but I'm going to give you the chance to pay cash and not involve your insurance. So it doesn't harm you, but I got the information in case anything were to happen. So it was kind of like, it's not like, what were you getting at Chick-fil-A? I was getting grilled nuggets and a side salad because, (laughs) I mean, I wanted to go the regular nuggets route, but I just I couldn't not. I don't even know they make grilled nuggets. Yeah, they're really good. They're actually probably the healthiest fast food or out food you can get. Like an eight pack of those nuggets has like two and a half carbs in it, and so I got a twelve and I got a side (laughs) salad, and so I mean I was good to go. I didn't even eat ten carbs during that for that entire lunch. Got a Chick Fil A. Jay, this would have never happened if you were eating a greasy double double at In and Out. I mean, maybe not, but you know. Chick-fil-A is the Lord's chicken. That's how it was described to me yesterday, and that's exactly right. And when I sent that tweet out that said, if you want to know how much I love Chick-fil-A, who automatically needs to become the title sponsor of my show in Nashville, by the way, uh, I said, look, I wanted to make sure that I got the food that I was there for first before I handled business that was probably far more important. But in my own head, I'm like, nah, i got to get this chicken. Importantly, I don't know that we talked about this, uh, I have shaved my beard off because my boys asked yeah. me to shave my beard off. How would you assess the beardless look for me? Well, I walked past you for, at first yesterday before you went and did the radio hit that you did, and I didn't realize until I had gone about five or six steps past that that was actually you. And that kind of threw me for a loop, and then I went back to the sideline and watched some more practice, and I was just kind of like, did Clay really shave his beard? Like, it's, this isn't November or whatever it is that those kinds of things might happen or whatever. It's like, is there some charity work that I'm unaware of? And, I mean, I thought it looked fine. I mean, it didn't look like you. It looked like I, I was stunned, and I was going to ask a question about it, but I was almost afraid to. I was just like, hmm, I don't know what this means. I don't know if this is midlife crisis taking over or what. I think the midlife crisis. It would be, it would be ironic if direction. 
Yeah, my midlife crisis was to become more clean cut and less of a uh, less of a uh, rebel. Um, yeah, so the, the, I remember being a little kid and going on a vacation with my dad, and I telling my dad, "Hey, can you grow a beard?" And my dad didn't have the ability to grow; like he didn't have facial hair. So, like if he didn't shave for like a month, it just looked like he hadn't shaved for a day. Um, but I remember like thinking how cool it would be if my dad changed his physical appearance while we were on vacation. And so uh, my kids, my two youngest, my seven and my three-year-old, who I don't think have ever seen me without a beard on vacation last week, they were like, Dad, will you shave? Dad, will you shave? Dad, will you shave? So finally, I just took off everything. And uh, like a lot of people are not even recognizing me because I've had a beard for like 15 years, basically. I mean, a long time since all the way back to like 2000, since before beards were popular. And uh, and I I don't know. Do I look younger? How would you assess the breakdown and the positive versus negative of the beard? I would definitely say you look younger. I mean, your whole Twitter handle at one point was BGID. Yes. It was the beards get it done deal. And and, and like I, I... I think it's interesting. Did they give you a reason? Like, the kids? Why, why did they want you to shave? Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I remember having that feel. I think it's just that you, you know, you are curious what your dad would look like. if it does. It's like you're on vacation, young, young kids. I mean, I, I don't know. Right. I remember wanting my dad to grow a beard. I think it's just like the, the, the concept, I think, when you're a young kid that men's facial hair grows is really pretty fascinating, right? Because I remember being a really young kid and being – utterly fascinated to watch my grandfather shave right just the idea that you had to put shaving cream on every morning and like that you Mm -hmm. would get a razor out and that your that your facial hair grows it's really kind of remarkable if you're a young kid that that actually happens and so i don't know i I don't know why it was i didn't really press him on uh, on the idea but yeah definitely uh i am a a new man there's no no doubt at all are you Uh, i mean well i mean weirdly like last year when i was on vacation from the show and went to Florida for WrestleMania. I didn't shave for a couple of days, and that's when I decided I was just going to go ahead and grow a beard and see how that worked out. And then I've kept it since then. But I've, you know, once I think I got rid of it, and I've considered getting rid of it again. Are you? Is it like a is this a permanent move, or is this a I don't feel like myself kind of move, and I'm going to let this thing I grow feel, back? Or I what, feel what are you totally doing? fine with it. I think I'll just kind of mess around with it. I might have television uh, television obligations coming soon, and they say on television you're supposed to always look the same. Like that's yeah. the, that's the idea, you know. They the politicians, for instance, you ever notice that their hair is always the same length? Like you're always you look more reliable if you always look the same, as opposed to if you're an actor, let's say, and you know actors always change their hair dramatically or or whatnot. So I think I'll have to make a decision in the next month. But in the meantime, I might go back and forth a couple times. Uh, Jay Mart, uh, congratulate. By the way, Jason Martin, for people out there, obviously you heard last week he was guest hosting. But he was producer for a couple of years on the show. He now has his own radio show, which is really cool. We never really got to promote it uh, before you left because you weren't allowed to announce it because it wasn't official. But if people have gotten used to hearing you in the mornings and they're interested in hearing your show, you're on. You have your own show for an hour every day. How would they find it? Uh, well, I mean, if they're in the Nashville area, they could find it. Well, I guess they could find it anywhere through the website. But it's 104.5 The Zone, which is a station we both know very well. 104.5thezone.com if you're outside of the area. If you put a slash Big Six, the show is called The Big Six. It's 6 p.m. Uh, Monday through Friday. 
then you'll actually find the archive. But there's also a podcast now. So wherever you are, and people, you know, I was surprised, actually, so many of the OutKick audience that reached out to me privately and said, hey, I want to hear this show, but I'm in Tempe, Arizona, or whatever. Well, the easiest way to do it now is you can go to Apple or wherever it is that you get your podcast and just look up the big six, the number six, not written out, the big six with Jason Martin, and you'll find uh, the podcast right there and it archives back to the you know six weeks ago when we started the show and it's uh it's definitely been a lot of fun it's definitely been different and again i credit the time i was with you to to having the opportunity to do it i had an interview hit in knoxville yesterday where people actually wanted my opinion as a guest on the show if you can believe that feel bad for those people but uh they also asked me one of their producers asked me on air to tell the story of Radio Row and explain what actually happened, whether or not I was sick or whether or not I was drunk and all the things from February. And I was just sitting there thinking about it when the question was being asked, Wow, the reach of the Outkick show and the Outkick audience extends to this producer I've never met in Knoxville who just wanted to know whether or not I was lying five months ago. Which uh, you were when I missed work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which you were, but I mean that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, Jason Martin, uh, we'll talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Uh, at Jmart one zero four five now, I think is your new Twitter handle at Jmart Zone. At Jmart Zone, yeah, at Jmart Zone. Yeah. All right, awesome. Well, uh, good luck recovering from your Chick Fil A injury, um, and uh, and again, I'm proud of uh, Jmart for what he's been able to do, uh, and uh, we'll have him on periodically for sure. And obviously, he guest hosted last week. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Jeff Schwartz joins us now. Uh, he is a former NFL offensive lineman, and there are, I believe, like 12 different games that are starting in the preseason tomorrow uh, on Thursday night. You've played in a lot of preseason football games in your uh, tenure in the NFL. What do you what did you consider the goal of the preseason like what did it feel like in the locker room as you jogged out for a preseason game compared to a regular season game before i answer that by the way i'm i'm kind of saddened that you went corporate and cut your beard i I know you're using your kids as an excuse but it feels like a very anti-clay travis move um what do you think of my look without the beard i saw you do a a periscope yesterday i was scrolling through twitter and i thought i was like oh that Clay doesn't look normal. Then I saw you tweet about you shaved your beard. It makes that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, well, uh, my kids. I mean, I'm telling you, the seven and the three year old were all over me. They were saying, "Hey, will you shave your beard, Dad, while we're on vacation? <laughs> shave it, shave it, shave it." And I was like, "You know what? Yeah, sure, I'll go ahead and try it." And uh, so far, it hasn't been like Samson. I haven't lost all my powers, at least not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Did you see the dime I dropped last night in uh, backyard football? The the best part about that was listening to Sunday and hearing you talk about you just walk around your underwear all the time and it's like that's very fitting people that don't i do the same thing i take my immediately if i wore jeans or if i wear any i don't wear my wife doesn't let me wear cargo shorts um but if i wear jeans or i wear like any sort of shorts um i just immediately come off as soon as i walk in the house i totally understand that that's i I would never wear them one second longer than i have to yeah i mean i just feel like walking around if you're a guy and you got like boxer briefs on or boxers it's much more comfortable especially in the summer when it's hot out like i'd rather just be sitting around in my underwear so when i was throwing football in the backyard uh i i like i go out in my underwear and just stand there and drop dimes uh on uh on my seven-year-old and my 10-year-old as they uh, as they try and defend each other in the backyard so uh, you can check out that video at clay travis on twitter it'll probably make your day uh my 10-year-old lost his mind when uh when he got beat deep um but 
Yeah. Uh, when you uh, – so what does it feel like? Like yeah. when you walk out – I mean, give me a if, – if a regular season – like I'm assuming a playoff game is like a 12 on the 1 to 10, yeah, uh, you know, like intensity yeah. level. Uh, and then – but I would guess that like a regular season game, let's say, is a 10. What does a preseason game feel like on the scale of 1 to 10? Well, it depends on what your roster position is. Really. Yeah. If you're a starter, if you're a starter and you're solidified, you just can't wait for it to get over. And, and as much as it it sounds like fun to just sit on the sidelines and stand and watch a preseason game, it's actually quite boring. I mean, if you're like you know they they you, know, you try to stay involved, especially if you're you know with the starting group, and we'll see tomorrow night. You know, starters will play maybe a drive. Depends on how young your quarterback is. Maybe you're playing a second drive, or if your coach wants to be. Uh, um, you know, a, a, a tough ass, and you'll play in you know a quarter or something like that. But then you just sit on the sidelines and you wait. Um, and then for the young guys, it's super important. So they they will feel a little bit nervous, especially if it's your first game ever. I mean, my first preseason game was against the Colts here in Carolina. I'd never been to an NFL game before, um, so it was the first time I'd been in an NFL stadium and played in a game. And no one's there, of course, but the adrenaline's still flowing. And, and if you are a young player, you have to put your film out there you have to showcase yourself so it's, it's two different preseasons happening it's, it's the starters that just kind of can't wait for it to get over with and get to week three where you get the game plan and then the young guys are going out there trying to win roster spots and it doesn't get you excited and i had an offensive line coach as a rookie and this is this holds true told me that you know there's there's a couple different tempos to the season there's the preseason which is you know a scale of like slow to fast it's preseason then you have kind of week one and week two everyone's fresh they're excited for the season to start. There's like a, a different tempo then. Then there's the middle of the season when everyone's used to playing. Then there's the playoff push, and then there's the playoffs and the Super Bowl. I mean, the, the tempo continues to increase as you go. I mean, I remember I played three playoff games. Like the adrenaline of the playoffs, and I only played in round one. I never made it past the wild card round, um, is incredible. And I can't imagine what it's like in the Super Bowl. But it, it just gets faster and faster and faster in the preseason. Um, you know, guys trying to make the roster going hard. The starters just trying not to get hurt. We're talking to uh, to Jeff Schwartz. All right, uh, the Hard Knock show started last night, and I saw you were tweeting. You're watching it with yeah. uh, with your wife. Um, how ner- well, I want to start with this question: If you are the Browns and you're coming off a one in thirty one stretch, right, where you have lost uh, thirty one of the thirty two games that That's your team crazy. has played in, and you had the number one overall pick, and you took Baker Mayfield. And it appears that he is not going to play early in the season because Tyrod Taylor is coming in fresh. It's not like he was there beforehand. Coming in fresh, he's going to be the starter. How nervous should you be about the fact that Baker Mayfield has not been able to come in and just be like, boom, this is my team. I'm the number one overall pick. Let's roll. So I watched about the first 40 minutes last night of the show. And the one thing that I picked up early on, and maybe this is just because it's, you know, it's TV and, and Baker Mayfield is going to sell more than Tyrod Taylor. But it seems like Baker Mayfield is Hugh Jackson's like favorite player on the team. I mean, the way that they were talking, communicating, it was almost like Tyrod Taylor wasn't even part of the team. And they, and they featured Tyrod right at the beginning, and that was it. Um, so I don't know if he's going to, if, if Tyrod's going to start all season. I think ideally, you know, John Dorsey was in Kansas City last year, and, and Alex Smith obviously played almost every game, and, and Pat Mahomes was able to play the last game as they had already a playoff spot tied up so i wonder if that's the plan that, that they really want the one thing that worries me and this is the one thing that, that i think should worry a lot of people we haven't really seen much of this out of baker mayfield if you look at the other rookies you look at darnold or rosen or allen um not really lamar jackson but but 
you know, you hear reports like, man, I, and we talked to an Arizona Republic reporter yesterday um, from, a, from a Pac-12 show. From a Pac-12 show. Um, and he's like, Josh Rosen is doing everything. Like, his arm talent's there. He knows what he's doing. He limits mistakes. Like, we hear all these great things these guys are doing. Uh, but, the, you know, the, the caveat is they're just not ready yet. They don't know the playbook. They don't know the defenses. We haven't really heard that with Baker Mayfield. We haven't heard, like, man, he's made some wild plays. But, yeah, he just needs to know the playbook better. We just have heard that Tyrod's better, and that does kind of worry me if I'm a Browns fan. You mentioned some of those other guys, uh, Josh Rosen. Well, let's go back to we've seen one preseason game so far, and, and I gambled on it, got a nice so win there by a half point, a very fortunate uh, thanks to Tyler Bray making some late plays for the Chicago Bears in that game against the Baltimore Ravens. But there was a certain segment of the population out there that was like, oh, Joe Flacco potentially in trouble here. They're drafting Lamar Jackson at the end of the first round. I watch Lamar Jackson play every game just about in his tenure at Louisville. I loved watching him play. I gambled a lot on the over in that game because I liked watching Bobby Petrino. But when Lamar Jackson went up against a decent SEC defense, whether it was LSU, whether it was uh, even Kentucky, which wasn't even very good, he had significant struggles. And even the final game of his career against Mississippi State, which didn't even have a full-time coach, the interim, they beat uh, they beat that Louisville team, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I know Lamar yeah. Jackson had an awful game. I knew that he was not ready to be a big-time quarterback in the NFL. I saw nothing that made me think he's anywhere near being ready to be an NFL quarterback based on that first preseason game. Am I wrong, or is it unfair to judge him based on how he looked in preseason week one? No, I think you're right there. I mean, everything you said about him was always kind of a concern is when he played the good teams in college, he struggled. I mean, it would have been great to see him play Alabama this year. Obviously, he's now in the NFL, so he's not to worry about that. But, you know, that game was scheduled, I think, with hope that Lamar Jackson would, would play in week one against Bama this year. Um, but I think that the concerns are, are valid. I mean, he didn't look ready at all. Um, look, his, 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 athletic, his, his athletic ability is there. I think we know that. His athletic ability, but you will can't be there. consistently run the ball in the NFL, right. no, and you know I, no, that as well as correct. anyone. Yeah, correct. And so, you know, I think that the most glaring thing you know issue you saw was, you know, the, the interception he threw was the most basic of routes. Right, he was in, he was under center, he could drop back and just throw a ten yard hitch, and it was late, and it was behind the wide receiver. So that stuff is is a little alarming. It's still very early, right? But I was never in the camp of of he's going to start. Um, over Flacco. I mean, I thought there was no, there was no way that was going to happen. But there um, were some people making the argument like Joe Flacco should be looking over his shoulder. Because they don't know how it works. And, they, and you know, people, you know how it is with Lamar. He's very polarizing, right? So you have one, one crowd that thinks he's not going to succeed and, and other crowd thinks he's going to do really well. And, you know, if you, if, you, if you do not like me and you don't think Lamar will succeed, we, we hate Lamar. I don't hate Lamar Jackson. I just haven't seen that style of quarterback succeed in the long term in the NFL and you have to complete passes and he, he was in a pro he was in the most pro offense out of any of the quarterbacks in that that were drafted in the first round there's no Petrino runs a pro style offense and he missed very easy throws and things get faster in the NFL get quicker in the NFL and uh, so I, there's no in Flacco you know it's interesting how this works you know we heard um, we've heard Big Ben is more motivated this year best shape of his life Flacco all of a sudden is much better and better shape of his life when you bring in competition. I think Flacco's going to play well this year. Now, it might, it might, he might his injury. You know, he might get an injury this year. He might. I just, 
I don't think Lamar Jackson starts a game at all for them. Uh, if I do, if they're playing well. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz. Okay, so we take Lamar Jackson out of the equation. Unless there's major injury situation, I don't see any way that he's playing for the Ravens as a starting quarterback. Uh, Sam Darnold with the Jets. We've, we talked about Baker Mayfield already, so let's uh, let's dive into uh, Rosen at Arizona. Let's talk about Sam Darnold at the Jets and Josh Allen with the Bills. Of those yeah. three, who do you think will play the most in September? Um, I mean, my guess is probably Josh Allen. I mean, if you look at, I think it's just if you look at who these teams have, the Bills don't have anybody. Uh, AJ McCarron, um, uh, Peterman. I think the Bills are kind of butchering their quarterback rotation and practice. Not going to really help anyone. You can't rotate every day with the ones that have you know Peterman take one period and then Allen take a period. It doesn't work that way. No one gets better when you do that. You know, Sam Darnold supposedly has been really, really impressive. Now he, of course, he missed the, the first couple of days with a contract situation, but you have Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater there, two uh, veterans. I think Bridgewater is going to be used as a trade bait guy. If he plays really well in the preseason, there's no reason to keep all three of those guys. Um, same with RG three and the Ravens. I think I think he could be used um, as a trade as a trade chip uh, as, uh, um, at the preseason as well. So I think it's Josh Allen. Um, you know, Rosen's done a good job, but they have Bradford. I think they would rather play Bradford. They paid him. A good, a good chunk of money, but he always gets hurt. So I'm going with Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen, just like Lamar Jackson, really will not succeed in the NFL, but they're going to throw him out there early. He has no weapons, no wide receivers, um, offensive line, two guys retired, and, and it's going to be tough sledding for him. And I, LaShawn McCoy, that story seems to have just vanished um, in terms of, uh, of what yeah, happened yeah. off the field with him, but, uh, but it seems like he's going to be playing. All right, you got 12 games on Thursday night, tomorrow yeah. night. Uh, and then you got two on Friday and one on Saturday, and that will get us through the entirety, I believe, of the uh, of the NFL preseason week one. There hasn't been a mention that I have seen of the anthem and this discussion that was going on between the players Thankfully. and the owners. Yeah. Do we think that the NFL believes this story has basically gone away because we have that we didn't have any story surrounding it for the 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 the, the game from Canton right the 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 hall of fame game and then we're gonna have 12 teams tomorrow take the field no discussion about it at all is this over or what's gonna happen i thought it was over in may when the nfl announced their new policy i mean look right but we haven't had we we haven't had any player not come out yet right like so i don't don't know i don't think you're going to and I, i really don't i think the team's are telling their players, and I don't know this for a fact. I can ask. I start asking my friends around the league. I think teams like Jerry Jones are telling their guys, like, "Yo, we, we need to we need to stand up." Um, and and I, I just I think players are starting to hopefully see that it could have you know effects on their on their bottom line eventually. Um, and and I think that it's also the preseason clay. There's you know guys are in camp right now. They're not thinking about. Uh, what's on Twitter. They're not thinking about anything really outside of, of football right now. And I think that a lot of guys, especially younger players, are not going to take the risk of, of doing that. I mean, you might see some older players do it, but I just think that there's not the, – the value is not really there in doing it in a preseason game. I know that's how Cap started it. Um, but I, I'm glad there's no talk about it because, you know, I think, I think it would be over if, if the president didn't tweet about it all the time. I think this would be done. No one would talk about it. 
It's it's an interesting question because I do think that uh, that it's a winning political issue for Donald it Trump. Is. It, it but, is. Yeah, but um, but with the fact that the games are kicking off tomorrow, I just we had so much discussion around Memorial Day, right? When the NFL came out with their "you can stay in the in the locker room or you can come out onto the field" discussion, but I haven't heard it. I didn't hear anything surrounding the Hall of Fame game. And I mean, I, look, I think this is a net positive. We got 12 games that are kicking off tomorrow, and I haven't yeah. even heard of a player refusing to come out of the locker room or any kind of, of storyline here. So I'm genuinely curious whether this story might just kind of fade away in general. Speaking of a story that's not fading away, we're talking with Jeff Schwartz. You can follow him on Twitter. He's guest host uh, last week, former NFL offensive lineman. What do you think of the uh, Ohio State situation? Uh, what do you think, of, first of all, of my theory that if you're a grown man in today's society and you go out and you buy poster board and a marker to make a sign that you are pretty much a loser? I don't, I don't think pretty much. I think you are a loser. I mean, yes. I, I, I guess I just – people – it's interesting how – and I, I think I texted you this. Like, people try to be attorneys on Twitter, and I'm not an oh. attorney, but luckily – Your, your a, mom a, is a an mom. attorney. I mean, it, so, I would say – Talk about legal issues. Twitter is maybe the worst Twitter that exists. There's all these different Twitters. There's NBA Twitter, NFL Twitter, and the world of sports. Talk about sports world Twitter uh, so that, that is legal issues. People have don't. They're so dumb they don't even understand no. any of what they're trying to have a, uh, no, an opinion about. No idea. Like the one thing that's bothering me the most about this situation is this idea that Zach Smith is is innocent or proven guilty. Urban Meyer does not have to prove guilt to fire him. He's not, he's not the, the law. That is, that is for a court of law. That's not for fireable offenses. Like, I just, I don't, it's like the simplest argument that people throw out there. They have no idea what it means. They have no idea. And um, so I, I actually think Urban Meyer is going to keep his job because if he did report uh, the incident to the higher-ups, that's the minimum he had to do to keep his job, right? And he reported it, and he could just wash his hands. Now, personally, and I think you agree with me on this, I would not want my head coach of my football team to be paid that much money to be the highest paid state employee to have to, to keep that that coach on i would fire him um for that because he's the he's supposed to be the leader of men supposed to be a leader of your institution there's a morality clause in his contract he has a sign in his locker room that says like respect women and he keeps on a guy who's been alleged twice now we know in 09 it happened urban meyer knows it happened in 09 he was arrested and and like you have said he asked him as as a bunch of people did ask Courtney Smith to not to not file charges, he was part of that group that asked to not do it. Um, and then now you have a second incident in 2015, and if he doesn't want to believe it happened, then he's being uh, 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 pretty close-minded about it. So I just think that I don't get the, the reason why he kept him on. Um, I would I would let him go for lying to the media about it. Now coaches lie all the time, but there's different degrees of lying. He flat out lied lied about it, um, and I just wouldn't want him to be the, 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 the head football coach of my team. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. 
at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.